Welcome to the podcast series for the Gender Institute at LSC. In today's podcast, we talk to School Professor of Law, Gender and Social Policy, Professor Nicola Lacey, about gender and the law, from discrimination to violence against women and children, the challenges around creating a more gender-equal judiciary and equal pay, and the Gender Inequality and Power Commission's efforts to tackle them. It's actually become very difficult to pin down exactly how the law discriminates against women, uh, precisely because as a result of the various gains that have been made, the law is generally formally equal. I mean, women have had equal rights for some time now. You, you said, you know, at least since 1975, the Sex Discrimination Act. So on the face of it, the law is neutral as between the sexes. But that is consistent with all sorts of very, very unequal outcomes. So the question is, you know, what, what's the law doing wrong? And it's true that there is a, a non-discrimination norm in our law, but it only reaches to certain activities, things like work or the provision of services or housing. It doesn't reach in the private sphere, in, in the family. And so very often the issue of the law's inadequate provision for women is about what the law is not speaking on as much as the way it speaks. Then there is also, of course, the question of whether even where the law is adequate, the question of whether they actually have access to justice, whether they have access to the legal remedies which are in principle available. Is it fair to say there's a slightly more subtle issue as well around the way the law thinks about women? A lot of the rights and entitlements that we have as legal subjects, the right to make contracts or marriages, decide to have children, get divorced, make wills, sort of assume that we are just sort of quite abstract choosing subjects without, uh, he doesn't say much or make many assumptions about our bodies, about our caring responsibilities and those sorts of uh, contextual facts, which uh, very often shape the extent to which particular legal subjects, both male and female, can take up their formal legal rights. Very often those formal rights have been constructed with sort of implicitly a model of a man's life in mind. And that means that although the rights may be just as available to women in principle, it may in practice be harder for women to really take them up. Now, violence against women, whether it's domestic abuse, rape, child sexual abuse, female genital mutilation, hugely in the news recently, widely reported on. What's the Commission looking to do here? We'll give details of the many reports that have been done both in this country and internationally in other countries to document the the continuing violence against women and girls. Now, this is not really and honestly a, a problem about the law. The law, in principle, uh, prohibits all these forms of violence. But the problem is that we know very well from all the reports that have been done that it can be very hard to get the law fully enforced. What about this whole question of uh, the police not taking things seriously enough? I mean, fresh in everybody's minds is what's been going on in Rochdale, where the, the claims of young girls who'd been consistently sexually abused, you know, simply were not taken seriously enough. Even where the police are taking it seriously, we know that there can be tremendous disincentives for the uh, victims of domestic violence or sexual violence to take cases. And you know, the vast majority of, of sexual violence in particular is perpetrated by people well known to the victim. And so if you report, you may well be reporting on your partner 
or the person who gets you work if you're a sex worker or somebody in your family. That is a very hard thing to see through, particularly when we bear in mind that the experience of being a witness can be a very, very unpleasant experience. Um, you are typically the main or even the only witness. And so in effect, it's your word against the defendants. The court cases get very, very rough and they can be very distressing. So there are all these contextual factors that make the law, even if the law is great, uh, really hard to enforce adequately. Now, the Commission's job is obviously to gather evidence, and that's, you know, the event was part of that. But I wonder if there was any consensus that came out of the the, the day on, on what more should be done, on how the law can better protect women from violence. It's um, very much agreed that there is still some way to go in terms of really getting the messages through to to every police station and also to every public prosecutor. That, I think, is probably the most single most important thing. Nikki, let's talk a little bit now about uh, women working in the law, because one of the Commission's main remits is to look at the representation of women in key areas of public life, of which the law is clearly one. What, what do we know about where we're at currently? If we look at people coming out of legal education, it's looking really good uh, for women. Women are, are well over 50% now and they do tend to do very, very well in their legal education. If we zoom up to the other end of the system and look at the Supreme Court, we have one female Supreme Court justice. She was the first. She's still the only one several years after her appointment. If we look in the middle, we see a mixed picture. So if I just stick for the moment to the solicitor's side of the profession, which is obviously numerically by far the largest, um, we see well over 50% of women coming in at the beginning. But at each successive level, uh, particularly when we're looking at the very big firms with you know very well-paid work in the commercial sector, um, we see uh, women, the, the proportion of women dropping at each stage. And when we get up to full partnership, uh, we see a very much smaller group of women. Is it the same picture in the judiciary? In 2010, women had risen to just under half of people called to the bar. But if we then look at, you know, the big step in a way towards becoming a higher judge for a barrister is to become a QC, a Queen's Council. There's been a huge amount of work done on how we choose Queen's Council, why we get so few women. Um, And a few years ago, the system was completely overhauled. Uh, One of my colleagues here at LSE, Michael Blackwell, has just done a study on the effects of the new QC rules, which he presented at the Commission panel. And really, depressingly, it's made very little difference. We still have only just over 10% of women QCs. What's the thinking about why that hasn't worked? In this country, traditionally, we've attached a great deal of of importance to the experience of advocacy. Now, if you are a person, whether male or female, with caring responsibilities who actually wants to spend some time with your children or your elderly relatives or whoever, at the bar, it's actually one sort of quite convenient option is to do more of a so-called paperwork practice and advisory practice and not to be in court the whole time. It means you're not having to travel around quite so much and the hours can be a bit easier to control. So it's an attractive career path for somebody with responsibilities or who, you know, 
values their quality of life. But when it comes to applying for things like being a QC, then you have to give examples of the cases you've been in, you have to have references from judges, and of course you don't have that sort of network if you have been doing advisory work. So I think there are all sorts of subtle ways in which it's harder for women to tick the boxes, and it's actually a really good example of the way in which a system which is formally equal is actually sort of thinking about merit in a way that fits typically on average men's careers better than it fits women's. So what further evidence emerged on the day of the event? What were the key things to come out for the, for the profession and for those with the responsibility for creating a fairer and more equal playing field for women? Well, I think it's, it, it's actually a very complicated question. And we spent quite a lot of time discussing whether, for example, uh, one way around this was, would be to open the judiciary more than it's open at the moment to try to encourage more solicitors to come into the judiciary. Of course, it doesn't really pay the solicitors firms who've invested a lot and have these very high value employees. They don't really want them to disappear into the judiciary. So actually incentivizing firms to produce the pool for a more gender equal judiciary is really key to the quality of justice. It's very, very difficult to incentivise the profession to organise, reorganise itself in that way. And I think that's a problem. What about the question of equal pay? It seems to be generally agreed that we've come quite a long way where it comes to having the laws in place to promote that. Or, or, or is it not quite as simple as that? Again, we see a gap between the articulation of the law and its implementation. We see actually pretty close hourly wages uh, for men and women uh, up until the age of 30. And it does just look as though once men and women start having children, a gap starts to really open up quite dramatically. So why isn't the equal pay law uh, and anti-discrimination law reaching that? Well, it's partly because equal pay law only covers certain kinds of employees. So it doesn't address people on very casualised or flexibilised forms of work. It's also the case that the equal pay legislation is extremely complex. So there's a big access to justice issue, which is a particular issue for women in the context of uh, public spending cuts. From your perspective as a researcher who's worked in this area for many years and also as a woman, whether there's a single change for better you'd like to see in your lifetime when it comes to to the law and women? Well, I think it's always been an irony of the uh, growth of equality legislation that the equality legislation itself rules out as illegal the use of what, in a way, is one of the most obvious uh, tools that we have available to us, which is quotas. And we've seen that the Labour Party's use of all women shortlists has had a really dramatic effect on the representation of women. Now, quotas are a, a bit of a, a, a blunt tool, but I think I, we see with the Labour Party example that in areas where they are lawful, uh, they can be quite effective. But in Areas reached by the sex discrimination legislation, by the equality legislation, quotas are not lawful. So in a way, one of our tools is taken away precisely by our equality legislation. I think that having targets is sort of the next best thing. But of course, that means having the political will to want to have a target of greater gender equality. 
Nicola Lacey was talking to Chris Garrington following the Commission's event, Gender and Law. You can find out more about the work of the Commission at www.lsc.ac.uk forward slash Gender Institute. And you can also follow us on Twitter at LSC Gender Tweet.